0: Welcome back, it's time for customers who click, you've run your ads, you've attracted your customers to your website, your customers successfully placed an order, and then what? Today I'm talking all things fulfilment with Harry Dredgeputch, CEO of Amware. In a world where it's becoming more and more competitive to differentiate, having a beautiful fulfilment process is something that can give you the edge uh, that sets you apart from other companies. On top of that, UPS recently did a survey that asked online customers what makes them unhappy and inclined to shop elsewhere. All of their answers related to fulfilment-related issues like damaged products, late delivery and incorrect orders. Harry's direct experience behind the scenes in warehousing and logistics makes him the perfect qualified person to talk about this subject. Let's get him on now. Hi Harry, thanks for joining me today. Would you mind giving us a bit of uh, your background, wh- what you've been up to, and uh, how you got to where you are today?
1: Okay, I'm I'm Harry Drapush. I'm the the CEO of Amware Fulfillment, based here in the in the states. I've been in the logistics space since 1980. I started my career as a b- business representative for less than truckload trucking here in the space in the states. So I spent 10 years in both sales and operation, business development in LTL trucking. So I I really I really honed my skills in the 80s on how to how to be efficient, how to save money, how to get more with less, because 80 is when deregulation began for the trucking industry here in the States. After nine years of getting ground up, I got an opportunity to move into the warehousing side of the business. And that that occurred in late 1989. And I, I, I've i been through various in in housing and fulfillment, if you will, everything from business development to operations, working my way up to managing individual buildings, and then managing regions. And my last three have, my last three assignments have been c-level as a twice as a ceo and once as a coo so i spent a lot of time in this space and learned quite a bit and still learning
0: yeah uh, yeah it was great so uh, well we're well, keen to learn from you obviously fulfillment it it's an important part of the the e-commerce space so i guess uh, to start off with how, how do you keep customers clicking
1: Well, before we answer that, let me just start that and and say that you know most marketers and online sellers are really focused on everything that happens up to the moment of purchase, the click, if you will, right. But they really shouldn't stop there because what happens after the click really has an enormous impact on creating a happy customer that buys again and again. You know, marketers who view fulfillment as someone else's job really ignore the fact. That the fulfillment experience, the physical fulfillment experience, is really when the customer has that firsthand experience of of receiving the product. Everything to that point is really merely a promise. You know, fulfillment delivers on that promise, and how well it delivers will have a serious impact on how the brand is regarded. So, you ask me, you know, how do you keep customers clicking? And it's really hard to win today on product and price. You know, many companies sell very, very similar products. You know they really make it hard to differentiate today. So brands brand, brands that differentiate and win, you know, will, will win based on the overall customer experience. And order fulfillment is at the heart of that customer experience. So you know, especially for luxury brands and high-end goods, you know, online sellers don't just sell products. They really sell a brand experience, you know. Therefore, you know, when creating a, an experiential online sales encounter, you know, with consumers, you know, retailers need to focus on more than just the web design, the website design, you know, or the efficiency of the ordering process.
0: Yeah, it's interesting what you said about how marketers tend to care about things up until the click. I, I do agree with you to a certain degree, but I also think it's just the general. That's just. Generally, how a lot of businesses are set up, right? Marketing, marketing is responsible for getting customers to a website. Uh, some might have a CRO element, which is what I do, which is you know getting people to make that purchase. But fulfillment will be dealt with by you know the operations team, or a slightly different team. And it's, and I, I think for a lot of brands, they don't even consider the fact that marketing could be influencing the fulfillment side. About the you know, that unboxing experience and everything, you know, there are some great brands that do, but I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it's entirely marketers just don't want to, and they and they only want to be involved until the, the click or the purchase. I think it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's an issue with siloing.
1: It's siloing. I think it's skill set. I think you're right about that. You know, think about think about what happens in the back room. Most marketers don't generally have that experience. The fulfillment piece is sometimes just viewed as an expense to an organization. You know, a a, a needed expense, but not one that generates revenue. Whereby, if you really, really, truly look at what 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 the fulfillment, what that unboxing experience does, it, it it is. It is the point at which all the promises that have been made are fulfilled at that point or not fulfilled. You know, I've had experience. I, I have a, I have, I have I a parade of DHL, FedEx, UPS. Everybody shows up my, at my door every day with something from an e-tailer, mainly Amazon, but many e-tailers as well. And, you know, some of those boxes, it looks like somebody could care less, right? The box is oversized. It's big. You pick it up. You shake it, you can hear the product rattle around inside, and you open it up, and yeah, I got my product. And three days later, I might not even remember who I bought that product from. I mean, it was just it was just such a a, a neutral experience. Nothing jumped out, other than the fact that they might have wasted a lot of air in the box, a lot of packaging material, and 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 the delivery was so nondescript that the next time I'm going to reorder that. I've got to go back and look and check who did I order that from before? Do I really want to order it from there again? It was just nothing special. I ordered it. I got it and I immediately forgot about who I got it from. And if someone says and asks me, you know, who I, I probably wouldn't remember. And then there were deliveries that it really looks like someone took a lot of time and trouble and effort and care and packed it. And And when I opened it up, you know, it, it was, yeah, this was worth it. This is great. These people care about what I do. I've got to make sure I come back here for my reorder because it was right. It was on time. Again, it was packed carefully. You know, they made sure that nothing got damaged. It, it, the experiences are night and day, and they have a lasting impression on reorders.
0: Yeah. So when you talk about packaging, are you talking about the the actual box that the product is shipped in, or are you talking about potentially the, the container that the product itself Is in so I know listeners won't be able to see this, but you can if my if my Zoom doesn't doesn't blur it. So these are it's just a supplement, right? It's like a a multivitamin sort of thing, but it is in a branded container. You know, it's not just a plain you know a plain bottle or something. They've got a specifically designed container, and so this is the bit I remember, right? And and when I think oh I need to get some more of these, you know, I need a restock. Obviously, they've got the brand on there, but I recognize the, con- the shape of the container on my desk. I don't remember the box it came in.
1: You, 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 might, you might remember the box if if there was something special about the box, if it was just the box with the smile outside. Yeah, you, yeah there's nothing special about that. It might've been brown. But when I refer to the package, I refer to everything from the box to the contents inside, to the dunnage material, to any notes that you put in there that says, hey, your package was packed by Harry with care. And if there's a problem, you know, please let me know ASAP. So yes, everything from the outside, which is an opportunity for your brand to be exposed to those who handle it. And then when you receive it to you know what is you know, has tissue paper been inserted does you know does it does it really really feel special with with most with many things in life it's about the presentation you can give your your significant other an engagement ring that comes out of a cracker jack box and it could be a 2 carat diamond that is really exquisite but it came out of a cracker jack box which would be memorable Or you can really package that thing as Cartier might package that with packaging on the outside that when you open it up, everything exudes luxury, everything exudes a great experience, and that's memorable. So it's not just when you wind up with the item, it's everything that's associated with getting that item in the mail, delivered, however it comes to opening up that box, the anticipation. I mean, you think about it. It's just so important. It just resonates with customers.
0: I, I do get that. I suppose the, the question is, and I, I imagine this is the question a lot of brands have, is why why spend time and money on kind of fancy packaging that's just going to get kind of uh, ripped up, opened, uh, and thrown away? I mean, I've, I've, an example I've got is I got this this water bottle, uh, an ocean bottle. It's actually one of my clients. And their packaging was actually fantastic. But I do remember it. I opened it up really good almost the way i'll describe it is to a marketer is it was a bit like getting a direct mail right it was there was information on the box it was branded it and it the box felt i, I think i think it was made of recycled material which kind of fits in with their their brand statement however i have still thrown it away right so it's it's, it's now gone it's not something i put on display so it's you know I imagine a lot of brands would be thinking, well, why put that time and effort in when you know they might engage with this thing for a minute and then it's gone?
1: Well, because stripping away your brand identity in the name of efficiency has a detrimental impact on the overall e-commerce customer experience. You're right. You can t- take an example of where you get these peanuts in a box, right? You Thousands of these peanuts—it's a pain in the neck, and you got to—I mean, that's a horrible experience for most people. If, I don't want to ever see peanuts in anything I order. They're a nightmare when you take something out; they roll over the house. They're if you open it up outside, the wind blows them. It's just not a good experience. But but, cheaping out for lack of a better term on on packaging, again, that's. It's who you are. It's like walking into a waiting room and finding out that you're sitting on a milk box because someone doesn't want to put chairs out because you're not going to sit in there again. You're there one time. And why do we have to make you feel comfortable? Why do we have to make that a positive experience? Contrast these two customer experience, experiences, right? You know, delivery of high-end cosmetics in a plain brown box that's too big for the con- for the contents or receiving a white box, brand logos on the outside, open it up, and the product is nested in the purple and yellow colors of the brand. There's a note on top that says, packed with care by, by Harry, with my handwritten signature on that. You know, m- marketers who ignore the fulfillment experience are really catfishing. Now You, you you're familiar with catfishing is? It's, right, if you're e-dating, and you, you you put in a, a file photo of you 10 years ago when you were 30 pounds lighter and, you know, it looks good. And then, you know, you agree to meet at a coffee shop or something. And, you know, you, you you presented yourself as a Wall Street financier, hunky, and then you show up on your first date. You look like a day trader in a bad suit, you know, who needs a haircut. You know, it's 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 a letdown that no matter how good you are after that, that, that experience, everything that you look through in that lens now is tainted. And it's really the same in e-commerce. When the order fulfillment process doesn't reinforce the brand building process, marketers have started on the website. I mean, you spend so much time and energy, you know, lavishly to create and define a brand. And then you meticulously manage how that brand is portrayed online. And then they cheap out on fulfillment by shipping products in plain brown boxes with random filler. Yes, you're going to throw it away. There's no question about it. But rather than reinforcing that tribal connection that brand managers have begun to build, the fulfillment process just makes you feel like you've been catfished. I mean, again, you know, I've paid a lot of money for this. I've waited for it. And, and you know, again, I don't have the I don't have the the hulky wall street trader. I got the day trader in the bad suit when I get the package. Yes, at the end of the day. I got what I wanted out of it, but if you think back to that whole experience, I think you've just degraded that experience if you've kind of tried to just be, for lack of a better term, efficient or cost-effective in your packaging.
0: Would you would you say there are kind of maybe like three levels to this? You've got the the top tier, which is the brands who really put that effort in. They make their you know custom packaging. The actual box you receive from the courier is branded. Then you've got the brands who put it in a, you know, it might still be a plain brown box, but at least it's the right size. It's packaged properly. You know, it's neat and tidy. Um, you know, maybe, it, you know, if they make the point that they are quite a sustainable business, you can tell that because of the materials they've used, but it's still kind of quite plain. And then you've got that kind of bottom tier, which is like you described, right? You actually receive quite a big box, but you've got this tiny little product. My friend literally just before we went on this call my friend sent me a picture and he's got this box, which is big enough to put a, a games console in it, like an Xbox or something. And, as in the box that an Xbox would come in, it, it was big enough for that. And the product he's got came in a, a small book-sized box. And then actually within that, there's just like four vials of, I think it's like cat medicine or something. So that I would say is that bottom tier of, it looks like someone literally just picked the closest box off the shelf and chucked the product in there, wrapped it up and sent it off. But would you say like there's kind of almost like those three levels of brands who are doing it amazingly, brands who put a bit of effort in, but not not doing anything particularly special and then brands who almost don't care?
1: And, and yes, clearly, clearly those three tiers are, are something to look at. And then you can add, you can subset that or stratify it by two more. Is is your brand? Is what you're doing? Are you selling efficiency? Walmart sells the same product as many other retailers do, but Walmart built its reputation on efficiency, on getting you the product, the lowest prices every day. And when you go into when you know when you buy from that kind of a retailer, you don't expect frills. In fact. It's like Southwest Airlines. You don't expect to see any anything special. You you know you're you're there because of price. You're there because you can obtain something that is less expensive, and you're shopping based solely on that. And so that reinforces, you know, to your point, the 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 cheapest or the most efficient packaging, lowest cost packaging, lowest cost tonnage, whatever it gets to get it to you. You reinforce what that what that marketer is trying to do, and that is specifically sell price. For most retailers competing on price, unless you're the biggest, biggest guy out there, you're gonna struggle competing on price. So you really wanna compete on something else. You want your product to be outstanding or differentiated for sure. And that fulfillment experience is the last step in the differentiation in making your, listen, makes your customer happy, And happy customers buy again and again, and they will buy from you. You know, UPS did a survey on what makes online customers unhappy and inclined to shop elsewhere. And many of those reasons were fulfillment-related. Damaged products, late delivery, incorrect order, and a poor returns process. You know, retail fulfillment directly impacts customer satisfaction and profits. Although you may be an excellent salesperson, you still need to consider the costs and time the pack orders, ship them out and deliver them to your customers within an acceptable time frame. If you can't deliver on these promises each time your customer places an order, they'll happily move on to someone else who can. Yeah, I think I agree
0: with that. Well, I do agree with that. One thing I wanted to ask on that was the actual delivery piece itself, right? The bit you can't really control. What What would you say you can about that. So, you know, you, you can pick a courier to be right. your courier who's going to send all your products. But as I'm, I'm sure it's the same in the US, here, pretty much all the couriers are bad. Everyone has got complaints about any courier. There, there, I don't think there are any that stand out as, oh, yes, it's 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 being delivered by, by this courier. Great. I can't wait. Is there anything you can do as a brand to try and make that experience a bit better? You know, either the communications around delivery, or I don't know, working with the couriers on on guidelines or on, around how to deliver a product.
1: So here in the here in the states, the 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 couriers offer several levels of service, right? And uh, you can get you can get overnight service, you can get, you know, two-day ground, you can get next-day air. There's different levels of service and times associated with that here. Uh, obviously, the more reliable the service, the faster the service, it'll cost you a little bit more. So yeah, let's let, let's talk a little bit about speed. You know, you've got a product that's unique or it's got some cachet. You know, customers might wait three or five days for that. So, if, you know, if you're an e with something that's incredibly unique, you really don't have a competitor. Customers will wait for that because there isn't a lot of choice and what you sell is fairly unique. But if you've got a commodity type product, right? Delivery speed can, can, can win or lose the sale. So, you know, in these, in the, in, in these cases here, what we recommend to people is, you know, you, you, you want to have your inventory you know, positioned for one or two day delivery, which means here in the US, for instance, you know, one one centrally located fulfillment center won't cut it. So, you know, in, in in Great Britain or in Europe, you might have to use multiple warehouses to get closer and shorten that delivery time. Again, the, adv- you know, again, the advantage to having multiple warehouses is that you could potentially, one, you'll reduce your transit time, two, you'll reduce your transit costs, you'll get more competitive on that. So those those are some things that you may look at. You know, in Great Britain, with your audience, may look at can can they be in multiple warehouses to get the product closer, so that the courier doesn't have an extended delivery network. Is that a possibility? Yeah, yeah. I
0: think you made, you made a good good point right at the start there around the type of product that you're selling. Because yeah, if it's a, a commodity product, I've got Amazon Prime, right? It's 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 probably my default destination to, for for a lot of products anyway. But yeah. Commodity products, or or something where I just don't really care about what brand it is, I'm going to go to Amazon because I know I can probably have it tomorrow. Occasionally, actually, not not anymore where I live now, but when I was in Central London, I I could get it same day, right? Right, because their their delivery center was was east. But you know, something like this bottle, for example, or or the supplements I showed you. You know, if I'm convinced that this is the right product for me because this is an awesome brand with a great product that's really going to benefit me, then yeah, three to five days, I might just say, yeah, cool, I'm happy to wait. Obviously, then some products, people want to get them more urgently. right? I know I, I work with a CBD brand and they offer next day delivery and, and people like that because the they're, they're buying the CBD because they they've got a problem. And they want to start dealing with that problem as quickly as possible. So if, if they can have your product or have that product in their hand the next day, that's actually quite a big plus for them.
1: So many many of those because we do quite a bit with with CBD as well, and m- many of those retailers, yes. The the so here we are talking about reliability and the experience and the next day and getting your shipment the next day. That kind of reliability will make you want to buy again and again from that. From that e-tailer um, but then the e-tailer will want to put them on a subscription service we want to encourage them to not wait and make everything next day to lower their cost you know your comment about amazon for a commodity product is spot on right it's a commodity product you're going to buy that based on speed and cost and no one gets it there faster and cheaper than amazon but your audience as an e-tailer isn't going to make the same margin selling through that channel as they would selling themselves. So they're sacrificing quite a bit of profitability selling through that channel in a competitive environment with with a lot of operational requirements from Amazon on how they'll receive the, you know, how they'll want the product from you, how they'll ship it out, where where they'll position the product. But most importantly, you get that product in an Amazon bag, in an Amazon box, with an Amazon smile. And you may buy that same product from various retailers the next time you order. You may not go back to the same retailer you bought the first product from.
0: Yeah, I know some brands who. In fact, I had a, a conversation with someone on here, Ryan Rouse, who talked about omnichannel selling. You know, selling on Amazon versus selling on your own website, and uh, he he was saying his his approach to it is yes, sell on Amazon because that's where your customers are going to go. Right They're it's highly likely they're going to go to Amazon to see if your product is available or search for that category of product. But then what you can do is on your website, sell different products, right? So maybe you can't get a certain bundle on Amazon. You have to buy it off off the brand website, or you can only buy certain sizes of the product on Amazon. You know, They use it as a discovery channel, bring people back, but then you also have to have that, that minimum order value. Yeah, you know, he was saying for for high Key, the the brand he used to work for, they they had to have a minimum order value of I think twenty five dollars or something because it just didn't make sense. They they would lose money if someone made a minimum purchase, which was you know, one bag of their of their treats was you know two or three dollars or something. Obviously, they can't sell that, but if Amazon's willing to pick up the the tab for that,
1: well, then- it, it, you know, it's a great point. If you want to drive brand awareness. And volume of maybe low-margin items, yeah, it makes sense to go through Amazon, and then you've got a select, select select series of items and SKUs that are solely on your website that you control, and the margins of the product is of a higher caliber, and that makes a lot of sense, and that's why many of my customers also do that. There's some there's some volume that goes to Amazon. I, I, I should say probably about twenty percent of my customers ship through Amazon as well. Many of my customers are high-end, unique, really want to control that whole brand experience, really want to control the product, returns, et cetera. But yes, it's a phenomenal way to drive volume on potentially lower margin and get brand awareness. No question.
0: Yeah. So we talked about speed. Speed's generally important, right? In the UK, if anything, anything more than five days, I think people will be questioning, where's this actually coming from? Why is it going to take so long to get to me? Uh, what about efficiency, though, in fulfillment? What does what does a brand need to do itself, and also what should they be looking for in a fulfillment partner to to make sure they've got a a, a good, efficient fulfillment experience in place?
1: Uh, so, when you so for for a partner for efficiency, they should clearly look at engineering and design. They should look at you know what does your partner have as far as the layout goes within the four walls. And what kind of picking strategies do they use? So, you know, o- overly manual processes are going to cripple your profitability because labor is the largest expense that I have. It's the largest expense in a warehouse. So to the extent that they use up-to-date warehouse management systems, up-to-date technologies such as pick-to-light, voice picking, you know, those those speak to labor challenges. So um, to the extent that your partner is somewhat technology and automation savvy that's very important because part of that five days is not all about the courier right it's not it's not it's not about the delivery itself it's about how quickly your partner gets the order processes it and gets it out the door yep. you know it it it, it am where we every order that comes in by two or three o'clock depends on the customer gets processed same day. And so, you know, for my customers, I'm not an inhibitor for growth, for volume, for swings, for promotions. I mean, they all have the same service level agreement. Uh, So we work hand in hand with them. When is a promotion coming up? Because it's not always about people. I mean, as your business grows, you just can't keep adding people and people to process orders because you run out of space to put the people in. So you've really got to deal with someone who understands and is forward-looking and can master technology, is up-to-date on things like robotics in the warehouse, and and everything that you can automate is fully automated. Taping of a package, erecting cartons, small things like that displace unskilled people and just makes the operation that much more efficient.
0: Excellent. Uh, what was it you said? Promotions. You mentioned pr- letting you know about promotions. So- I think this could be a really important point to bring up. How important is it that brands actually keep you informed about the promotions they're running, their marketing strategy, let's say, you know, what's going to happen if I suddenly double my marketing spend and I run a big promotion. Obviously I'm going to I'm going to sell double triple the amount that I normally would. Is that something that fulfillment partners can just kind of absorb or is that suddenly a massive shock and it's we can't we can't do this we have to do you have to scale up over time you know what what happens there
1: so the answer is yes yes and yes right you know you think about the mechanics and what goes on in the in the four walls of a warehouse the, the, you know you're 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 set up to handle certain volumes from your customers and if suddenly that volume goes 2x and 3x without any notice as a surprise yes that will put a strain on virtually any, any, any warehouse for any provider, or even internally. So there is there is scaling that companies, third party providers are very good at scaling, and they can scale, they generally need a little bit of notice to scale. So if you if you know, you're going to have a promotion in a week or two, and you think it's going to be two or three x, it's best to sit down with your partner and say, here's what we're expecting. And the partner can get ready for that. If it just shows up that day, it, again, it becomes an impossibility to gear up for that and get that out the door. You, we, we can handle spikes of, I would say, 20 25%. We can absorb that on a daily basis, right? Because you never know from day to day what's going to happen. If you're having a promotion in which you go two or three X, you have to sit down with that provider because you do have to arrange for additional people simply because the volume has gone up exponentially. You may even be able to get short-term automation implemented to help with that, whatever that may be. That, you know, the 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 better the coordination, the communication, the better the outcome will be. We we handle we have what we call continuity days for many of my customers, where one day a month or two day a month is it's a subscription day, and orders might go two or three x from the daily. Knowing that we plan for that, we can move people around even within the four walls. There's a lot we can do when we know it and it's totally transparent to a customer. They get that product shipped the same day. They're not aware that my volume went up three or four times. Some of my, some of my customers go up six, six times six X on a, on a continuity day. And again, the ability to know that and plan that. Uh, is a result of good communications. And yeah, we can absorb it at that point, get it done. And the promotion is a huge success. Worst thing that happens is there's not good communication or understanding. The promotion is wildly successful. You get four times the orders and now your provider can't handle that. And, and so that's a horrible experience for a customer. They're waiting six, seven days. Your inbound switchboard lights up. Your customers are calling your call center. You're overwhelming the call center. There's cost involved. If you've outside, if you've outsourced that call center and you're paying on a per call basis, now you're paying for something that's not generating revenue. But co- customers calling to check on shipments, where is it? It's been three, four days. Yes. So the answer is with good coordination. And we encourage our customers. We're proactive with that. We know not all of our customers kind of remember to keep us uh, up up to date because they're going at the speed of light with promotions and things happening. We call them on a regular basis. You know, what do you have on tap for next week? What's going on? What do we need to prepare for?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's good, and the uh, particularly the the kind of proactiveness from your side, because you know, as we were talking about earlier, right, marketing marketing doesn't deal with this sort of stuff it's no. not we're, we're not we're not generally involved so a lot of the time marketing will just go ahead with the promotion probably won't tell customer support won't tell won't tell the operations side um and, and yeah these these things just spike and and all they see is through their dashboards is conversion rate rate went up sales went up revenue's gone up and then the rest of the business is panicking
1: and and sometimes there's good reason at least in their mind, why they don't share that information, right? If I tell if I tell the world or if I tell a few people and it gets out that we're going to have a big promotion, it's a BOGO, two for one, whatever it might be, customers may decide to stop buying until the sale, right? So now all of a sudden sales slump and then the promotion comes in and people cherry pick. So there's, I understand why marketers sometimes are hesitant to share that, but it's very, very detrimental when they won't. We uh, we know how to we know how to prepare for something without letting the cat out of the bag, so to speak, and making that public knowledge that something is coming down the pike.
0: Yeah, exactly. I uh, I don't. It's not something that marketers really need to worry about. You know, yes, if you stuck it in an email and sent it to customer database that you're going to have a sale in three days, then yeah, people are not going to make purchases for three days. And then come back and do it for that sale. But you know, if, if you're communicating internally with your teams and your and your partners,
1: it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, a, a promotion that 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 comes off well, that is well prepared for, that's well executed, and you, you you're just going to have repeat customers. And you, you know, when you think about the cost of finding a new customer versus a repeat customer, I mean, it's four or five times more expensive. To find new customers that to service your existing customers, and so again, nothing turns off a customer like a like a terrible fulfillment experience.
0: No, I think you're exactly right. You know, obviously on the cost side, yes, we we all hear the stats. It's so much cheaper to to retain a customer, get get them to keep you know, spending money with you, and so that whole experience is is important. Funnily enough, I actually just cancelled an order today. I, I've been waiting, so I placed this order twenty nine days ago. The order has not been fulfilled. The initial problem was so it was it was kind of a three-part order, right? There's the main product. It's almost like a let's let's say it's a printer, right? So I've read the example because I'm not gonna say who it is. I've bought a printer and I've bought two different packs of ink, right? Or or a pack of ink and some paper, right? One of the packs of ink was out of stock, right? So they couldn't send the order. Didn't tell me. Decided, you know. They don't have that communication set up. I eventually got in touch, and they said, "Yeah, this is out of stock. Do you need? Do you want to order a different ink?" So I said, "Yes, okay, fine. I'll have a different ink. Let's get that. Let's let's do that." Got in touch with them about a week later. Oh no! At, at that time, I was told it'll be dispatched by the end of the week, and you'll have it by the end of the following week three three to five days later. Got in touch with them again a few days later, and it turns out that the printer itself is out of stock right? So the sort of main products out of stock. And then, yeah, eventually that was a couple of days ago. And eventually today I just said, I got in touch with them and said, no, I'm I'm done. I just want to cancel the order. And what kind of really annoyed me, because I, I've i been involved in customer service before, I do conversion rate optimization. So I'm all about research, customer feedback. Let's find out what the problems are and how we can fix them. The customer or service agent literally asked for my order number. Two minutes later said, that's been canceled. That's done. That was it. Didn't ask for feedback. Didn't try to retain me as a customer, and that kind of <laughs> that kind of wound me up a bit because I thought this is just it's a it's a bad experience that's also got worse for me, despite the fact that you've then cancelled the order as requested. So yeah, it's these sort of things that you know if if I was a a regular customer of theirs and then and then had that problem, you know that's that's a customer gone. You know a, a loyal customer gone. Um, I've had a few this case, experiences
1: so. like, like you as well, where I've ordered a product. I am member very, very large retail chain here that, that did e-commerce as well. And they separate the e-commerce from their retail business, which is fine. However, they want to do it. And I wound up ordering a refrigerator for a new house I was moving into. And I ordered it five months in advance, waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, two days before the scheduled delivery date, they told me that the the order's been canceled, just like that. I mean, two days before, they've had it for five months, never said anything. So now I'm moving in. I don't have a refrigerator. the The, the moral of the story for me is: I never went back to that re, that that retailer for anything. Anything. I was so upset by the experience, the lack of care, or regard uh, that I just just never went back. And you know, we have so many choices for many of our things. Yeah and that's, Especially that's a, a refrigerator you yes. you can buy that
0: refrigerator probably at 20 different stores maybe more correct correct uh, so it, it's even more important in those cases you know in, in the case of the, this printer that i've bought i don't think there isn't much else on the market actually this is it's quite a unique product so that they've they've annoyed me to the, to the part where i'm willing to just say i'm just not going to have this product at all right find an alternative um, product what was oh yes, yeah, so there was some stats that I, I saw not too long ago. I think it was for a new customer, one mistake is all it takes to lose them. And mm-hmm. for a loyal customer, it just takes three. Or I imagine one big one, obviously, but three kind of, you know, why haven't you communicated this problem to me? You know, or, you know, why hasn't this part of my order turned up? You know, three mistakes is all it takes to lose a, a loyal customer. And a lot yeah, of these mistakes they, are things that you should be able to,
1: to. It's it's hard to grow. It's very, very hard to grow your business, one, without repeat customers. And two, if you're providing, you know, terrible, terrible fulfillment service, uh, you, you know, wrong product, wrong item. I mean, think about it. You receive the wrong product. Many customers today, many, many e-tailers today, I'm sorry, in recognition of the difficulty of returns and whatnot have tried with lower cost items just saying keep it we'll send you a new one you know from a customer service perspective and try to do good but for those that make you return the product i mean just just think about the hassle that you know you sent me the wrong product or it's broken or something's not right and now i've got to repackage it i've got to make sure it's okay i've got to make sure it gets on a delivery truck back to you you know, it's more effort than the whole thing was worth. And, you, you know, there's a customer that that you're right. That is, if it's a big thing, it's not going to be three times. It's going to be one time. But, you know, yes, yeah. you don't want to lose them. It's hard to grow the business without having a good base of loyal repeat customers.
0: Yeah. I hadn't thought about that that too much, actually. The whole, you know, if you send the wrong product, not only have you sent the wrong product, but you're also asking that person to send the wrong product back to you. Right. and put some effort in. So uh, I, I can't remember if I've ever had that experience. So I can't say what my experience was. I think if I was that brand, I'd just say, keep it. Just keep it. We're really sorry. Have it as an apology item. I suppose it depends what it is exactly. If it's
1: right. if It's expensive if you, and valuable. If, if it's expensive and you the company's going to want it back. If it's inexpensive, okay, I get to keep a product I really didn't want or order. I understand mm-hmm. that. But now I've got to start the process over again of waiting for the thing to get shipped and picked and packed. And yeah, not, not very frustrating.
0: Yeah. Any advice on how you can avoid mistakes? Is it anything Uh, to do with data? You know, the, you know, the, the data you pass through to a fulfillment center, maybe, you know, are there any steps you can take to try and avoid just the mistakes like that? So obviously clean
1: clean data. And that's easy. I mean, making sure you're passing the right data and clean data is something that's part of setup. It's not part of, it should not be part of a, a surprise that's going through ongoing. But with with companies like third-party providers like Amware, I think what you want to do is sit down with them and and ask them how they measure accuracy, take a look at their processes, you know, how to, ha, how do they train their people to begin with and make sure that, Mistakes are a minimum. Show show me your top ten customers, and show me the the accuracy that you're tracking for these top ten customers. If they can't pull that out, that's a that's a big red flag. We. Yeah, We track everything within our warehouse, how much time it takes to do anything, who does what, when it gets done. You know, we make use of radio frequency and barcode and scanning to make sure that we're picking the right product, packing the right product, getting it out the door. But more importantly, we we update our customers every day on what we've done, how many orders we've shipped, any issues that we've heard about, anything that happened within the four walls that they need to be concerned about. Hey, we opened up a box that was supposed to have 50 reds in that came in from China and when we opened the box, they weren't red, they were blues. The box was marked red, you know, just communication like that. But you need to make sure that you're dealing with someone who values the data within the four walls and and uses that to drive its business to Six Sigma type quality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a uh, good point stat. I mean, I... I've not been too involved in the fulfillment side, so this is some of this is quite reasonably new to me, But yeah, it all makes sense, doesn't it? You know, communicate with your partner. It's not a you know it's it's not just it's not that just after that click stuff we don't care. It's just going to get sent to a customer. It's you know it's
1: get it done properly. make sure you've got a good partner. make sure you're getting that feedback as well if you pick if you pick the right partner, it's not just that the noise level goes down or that's something you don't need to pay attention to. You've just partnered with someone that can enhance your business, help your business grow, not just be a neutral kind of, okay, it's at the end of the the line there and it's an expense, but you've got a partner now that is looking out for your interest that wants to make sure social media doesn't light up with customers that are unhappy because there's nothing that will bury an e-tailer faster than social media that's just got very, very bad things to say or not positive things to say. Where on the other hand, customers who go on social media and rave about the process, rave about the, I opened the package up. I waited for this thing for two days. It came, it was phenomenal. It was everything. I mean, think about that. I mean, I buy based on reviews and when the reviews people tell me, Hey, it's everything the e-tailer promised I'm going there. And if I see, if I see the negatives, I'm going to keep looking for an e-tailer that's got nothing but positive reviews. And and third party companies like us make sure that the reviews are positive, at least to the extent we can control that. Yep. Yeah, and just on that the social media point, yeah, it's not only reviews,
0: but it's social media. Right? People these days, they they go to Instagram, they check your images, they check, you know, what's going on, they're looking for people commenting their their feedback, you know, they're looking for people who are complaining that customer service doesn't get back to them, that the the products were were wrong or something. It's kind of the new it's it's i don't know if it's replacing review websites but social media is where people go for that social proof now
1: and it, and listen it's a great thing it raises the bar it you know it helps everybody strive for excellence but more importantly if you're going to make promises and commitments you've got to figure out how to keep them
0: yeah yeah exactly awesome so just before we finish we're just running out of time is there anyone in the e-commerce world or is there anyone from a particular brand that you you really admire you'd want to sit down and have lunch with so you can chat about you know what, what they're up to and how they've done it
1: that's an easy one i'd love to sit down for lunch with with jeff bezos you know he recognized very early on the importance of investing in fulfillment and and for years you know Amazon lost hundreds of millions of dollars as it built out its warehousing and transportation infrastructure really to create that prime experience not many people remember that the company started out in 1994 and didn't really make a profit until 2003 you know most 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 people don't recognize that about Amazon's rise and and I'd love to talk to him about how he dealt with the pushback he must have received from investors as as he just continued to spend on infrastructure, while he was bleeding red ink, you know, I'm not sure that that's a lesson that retailers have really learned. You know, many still have. If they come, we build an attitude towards, you know, fulfillment infrastructure, and they focus all their time and energy on sales growth and not the overall brand experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, it's a lot of we almost we'll deal with it when we get there, rather than thinking what well, how can we be in the best place now so that. We can scale, we can grow, and, and everyone's going to stay happy
1: you know ho- hopefully hopefully scaling in your business is a marathon and not a sprint because yeah. if you're think if you're thinking short term, your business will last short term. If you're investing for the long term, if you're building that brand loyalty, if you're building that name for yourself you- you're you're going to succeed in the long term,
0: yeah, it's so final thing. Have you got any tools that you recommend people use?
1: I'll bring it full round. You know, obviously think about customizing packaging, right? To ensure you carry your brand image through the fulfillment process. I mean, there's some added cost to customized bags and boxes and some additional labor time, but it's an investment in loyalty. And if you want to build a tribe of repeat buyers, uh, you can't ignore what happens after the clip. And then, you know, should you be outsourcing fulfillment? Uh, or, and, and if you do, You know, do you have the right fulfillment partner? Because the right partner can give marketers, you know, things like scalable infrastructure to grow without limits, a flexible infrastructure to economically manage sales, you know, ups and downs, and then buying power to reduce costs with particularly things like parcel delivery. Mm -hmm. My customers have the best parcel rates possible and certainly much, much better than they can get on their own. Yeah, makes sense yeah awesome thank you this has been it's been
0: great really really interesting it's definitely something that I've I've needed to know more about myself as well if anyone wants to reach out and and contact you find out a bit more what's the best way of doing that
1: Amwarefulfillment.com is the the best way to uh, to reach us our website is full of case studies great information not just about Amware but the industry in general and how you can go about picking the right partner and uh, get you on the path to to growth. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Harry. Will, it was my pleasure. Let's do it
0: again. A few things to think about here. What kind of brand are you? Are you a high-end brand, middle of the road, or a green brand, Uh, or a brand whose promise is based on efficiency? Your brand identity should impact the delivery service you choose and, of course, the kind of packaging that you choose to use. Uh, This is going to influence the customer's perception of your brand as well. This experience then has a knock on effect on whether or not your customer will purchase from you again. If they've got a bad experience or one that doesn't align with the, with their, uh, their values and your brand values, then you're unlikely to get a, a repeat purchase. And even worse, people are more likely to share bad experiences than good experiences by word of mouth and reviews. Hopefully you've also picked up some practical te- tips there on what to consider when choosing a fulfillment partner and what steps you can take to prevent unnecessary mistakes in your process. That's all for this week's episode. If you'd like to hear more from Harry, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to Will will.customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, we've got Sri Kanasi On the show, She's going to be talking about all things Google ad-related. But until then, keep those customers clicking.